name's Sid Garza Hillman, and this is what I think. I wanted to start this episode with a very current uh, event, and that is the movie Splash. And I I have a pet peeve about it, and here here here's it here's what the pet peeve is. At the very end, like almost like almost actually at the very end of the movie, uh, Daryl Hannah references that time in the very beginning of the movie when Tom Hanks was a kid and he went overboard on that boat and had the experience with the little girl mermaid. And he thought it was fake. And he just didn't know. He thought he was dreaming it. He didn't know it was a real thing. So she ref- she references that at the very end of the movie. And he goes, wait, that was you? That was you. As if he wouldn't have asked her that, like, as soon as he found out that she was an actually a mermaid. Why would you? He couldn't figure that out until the very, very end that his experience at eight was real. I mean, she's laying on the ground. Like, she's, you know, a mermaid. In the ground, on the ground, when the guy splashes the water on her, turns into a mermaid, he doesn't go at least like, um, hey, you're a mermaid. Okay, do you know the girl that I had a thing with in the water when I was eight? Can you pass a note to her and tell her that I have a crush on her? I have been wondering how to get in touch with her. And then at that point, she would have said, oh, no, that was me. And he would have gone, holy crap, that's amazing. And they would have worked it out way earlier. Long, I'll put it this way, long before they swam into the kingdom that's at the bottom of the Hudson River. Mm. <clears throat> that's been hanging on my mind for a long time. I don't have many more things to think about or, or talk about. Um, I'm just FYI in that. I think I watched it when I was doing the 4x4x48. That was one of the movies I watched. Um, it got me through, probably at 4 in the morning. But that was a pet peeve. Um, I wanted to announce, I don't, I know I don't do much announcements, uh, at all. So I'm just going to put the links in the show notes on this one, but I was asked to do a talk for the Oakland veg fest, which is now is a virtual veg fest as it were. That's our new world virtual veg fest. Anyways, July 1st, it's called raising healthy parents. You guys familiar? Anyway, I'll link that up. It's part of the Factory Farming Awareness Coalition. They're a good group of people, very, very nice um, and very professional. They've been like, they wanted like a pre-meeting with me to go over the stuff. I think it was to make sure that I wasn't going to do anything inappropriate. That's that's my feeling. I don't know. Maybe they have pre-meetings with everybody. Mm. They seemed especially interested. Then my uh, longtime buddy, Howard Jacobson, who has, you know, co-wrote some pretty famous books like, oh, I don't know, A Hole by T. Colin Campbell and uh, Proteinaholic by my pal uh, Garth Davis. Anyway, he has a new podcast out and he asked me to be on it too. I'm in demand. I'm riding the wave. I'm riding the veggie wave right now. Okay. It's going gonna, it's gonna to burn out. I know that it does, but right now, and I got a thing coming up with Chef AJ. Yeah, I know. She asked me to be on her pe- podcast too. That's like in a week. So I will link to all those things when they come. And I'll, I'll probably be blogging pretty soon, put those dates out down there. So, you know, keep keep in touch, shall we? Thanks to the Patreoners and the reviewers. Okay, good, good. He announced more things than he thanked us. That was kind of an asshole move. Uh. You guys know I love you, right? I'm having a particularly good Guatemalan right now. My wife, I made her a cup. I make her a cup every morning. She yells from her studio, this is a, a great cup of coffee. Like it was just particularly, the it was like in the cards. You know, like when the stars align and all of a sudden for, for some reason, the same coffee on a different day tastes way better. That was today. 
By the way, I'm still sweating. I had a very hard workout today. Thursdays, I tend to do a little harder of a workout. I choose like one workout a week to kind of push it. Sort of the like 80, 20. I'm a running coach now, so I'm thinking like this. I'm going, okay, let me figure You know, I don't want to push. So I'm like taking it easy on the workouts. I'm working out an hour a day. I'm just like, do, that's what I'm doing. Hour a day, just hour a day, period. I mix it up, a little rowing, a little biking, a little running, mostly running. But one day a week, I kick it into gear. That was today. And I, it's now like 40 minutes, 30 minutes after I finished, still sweating. It's like I'm living in Texas again. Mm. But then I would just sweat for because it's Texas. Uh, we are now some opening up uh, kind of stuff. Um, and uh, it's kind of getting interesting. Working at the the resort is almost like a brand new job. We're all sort of wading through you know, how do we do this? It's like a, it's people are, it's kind of a weird thing, but that's not really what I want to talk about. And by the way, there are still asshole guests just, just because they can't stop. Like they can't not be that way. So they come and they get mad because they can't have maid service. They get pissed at us. And it's like, but we're not allowed to do maid service. So why are you being mean about it? It's just, it's the it blows my mind. Mm. Might as well air that here on the podcast. The title of this episode is called The Stress of Stagnancy, and I want to—I actually wanted to talk about this a couple weeks ago, um, but I just was kind of mulling it around a little bit. It, it's, um, And then other stuff came up and just kind of stuff I'm thinking about, um, and, I, I, and I was always, almost going to call this the nagging every day, but I didn't, it wasn't catchy. You know, and I'm all about flash in this podcast. You know, that's, what I, that's why I have like billboards and I do like the ads and things like that. Um, the stress of stagnancy. I want to just highlight the fact that during this coronavirus, and I know, like, like I said, we're opening up again, but some people are still kind of hanging at home, working at home, uh, being at home, but less sheltering in. But when the sheltering in was full on thing, you saw rates of domestic abuse, you saw rates of depression go up. And that is the stress of stagnancy. That is the, the I believe, the more profound stress that the human species can um, experience more so than the stress of 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 activity and work in the modern world. So I will just I'll just argue till the towels come home that not doing is always more stress, stressful than doing. That that laziness and fear, stagnancy, the things that keep us from doing the things that we want to do, and of course the hack mindset is always more stressful than the hard work itself. It's like we're just in this constant state, and I talk about this in my new book, which is, I'm still looking for a publisher, so I might as well just read it out loud on this podcast at this point. Um, but it's like we're in this mindset of trying to avoid hard work when the reality of our species and our psychology is that it's the very hard work that makes us the happiest. And this was just very prescient and very relevant in this sort of forced shelter in that we've been experiencing being at home where the people who were at home just like not doing stuff, it, it tackles our, we do not do well in that we are designed to sort of be activity-based be activity because in the wild that we haven't really adapted away from really, if you think about it, because we're not doing well in this non-wild situation. In the wild, we'd be forced into activity. We can't, you can't just lay around all day when you're living in the wild because you have shit to do. You can have time to lay around, but you have to find food and you have to find shelter and you have to find, avoid danger. In the modern world, of course, and I've talked about this, you know, a lot, and especially in the, in the approaching the natural podcast, but this idea of that when we try to cheat that hard work now, because we technically can, uh, 
because we don't have to look for food. We don't have to avoid most people, you know, a leopard, for instance. Um, we, we, we sort of, it looks attractive to us because it's a weird thing about our, the human species, which is we, our bodies do best in a low stress, stress state, state on one hand, but too low ain't good. And too high tends to, in periods and moments, be way better for us and strengthening for us than constant, constant stagnancy. And I guess it was interesting to me, not in a good way. I mean, I would hate, I hated to, to read about this, but even things as horrible as child abuse, but people just were like shorting out electrically in the brain. Like they couldn't handle the being at home doing nothing, which of course I'm just, you know, I'm not going to get into the small steps thing too much here, but that's why I'm so passionate and adamant about people doing, being, understanding their power to do things in any situation, to do things in any situation, take on new things. And especially, like I've said, this is the best time for a pandemic. I, I think it's funny to say that and it's ridiculous, but it's freaking true. Online courses. If you guys haven't seen my new video um, on the rope, I took an online course. I learned a new thing, a new movement-based thing at home. Um, and it's, and it's kind of cool. And most people, at least in the United States have the ability via phones and everything to do these kinds of things. I just set up my phone on my, on my little space outside and play these videos and just learned and just took, you know, five minutes a day, 10 minutes a day tops, sometimes two minutes a day and just did that. And it was, it was really cool to experiment with those kinds of things. I think that we will see and do see the signs of, of our, species and individuals breaking down when we are not allowed to work. So we have to create our own work. We have to create our own work. It's always, I just think that sitting around physically, by the way, also, but I think that sitting around, we don't adapt too well. Moving around, we adapt to. Even pushing it sometimes, we adapt to. But sitting around on a couch, we don't. And on every level, even down to the physical part of the lymph system, which needs movement to kind of pump that lymph around the lymph fluid around. And that's just the, it's what it is. So, um, anyway, I just, I wanted to point that out. The, st the stress of stagnancy, we, we are wired to sort of try to avoid. That's why technology is, is so advantageous. It, we, people can take advantage of us at a moment's notice by offering us something that makes it so that we don't have to do as much. And we love that, but it's, it's tipping the scales too much. It's not a natural rest. It's not an earned rest. And I talk about that again in my book. I'm just going to start referencing my books. I'm so bummed that I can't find a freaking publisher to get this thing out. Mm. Probably because I think it's good. I do. I just think it's good. Why would I want a, a book of mine not to come out if, you know, if like, I, why would I want it to come out if I thought it was bad? I'll put it that way. I have a book. It sucks. God, it sucks. I just may be the only one who thinks it's good. That's the thing. I have no control over that. Um, but I just, to me, the laziness laziness fear the things that keep just that kind of like well I, if i don't have to why would i well because it would make you happier to do it no matter who may tell you or sell you otherwise so we can try to hack the diet and hack the exercise and hack the thing but there's no getting around just like getting your it's like training for an ultra marathon it'd be great five minutes a day somebody somebody said you can train for an ultra, mar ultra marathon in 10 minutes a day people would buy that they would buy it, but there's no substitution for the fact that to run an ultra marathon at this point in our species, in our development and evolution, you have to have your feet on the ground for many, many miles. And you have to do that for a very long period of time to allow adaptation and do it in a smart way to allow enough adaptation 
in energy uh, creation and muscular skeletal adaptations to handle it. It's just you can't cheat. You just can't cheat it. So just let that shit go. Get on the road. Get on the trail. Enjoy yourself. Have fun with it. Know it's going to take a while, and that's good, and so on and so forth. And when you get done with your runs every day, you're going to feel fantastic and in a great mood because you earned it. You earned the rest. But man, when you're forced into not going to work and work is your only thing, that's a recipe for disaster. That means you've got to create something in your life that allows you to work in the absence of work, if you know what I mean. Do you know what I mean? Take up coffee, take up coffee roasting. Okay. Peter Raisin did. I told you about that last week. That guy picked up coffee roasting. He's stuck in Arizona. It's 108 degrees. When I was talking to him through the um, coffee roasting, I was like, listen, I'm going to tell you kind of how I do it here, but I'm like 55 degrees in my basement. You're like, uh, he goes, I'm a, it's 108 outside in the evening when I roast coffee. I go, okay, well, clearly your roasting time is going to be a little bit less than mine. <clears throat> okay. So I'm going to weigh in a little bit. I was really, um, I'm not a, I talk a little bit about politics. This is what Sid thinks. So I, I started this podcast so I could talk literally about anything, as you know, because I started talking about Splash. You know what I mean? But um, I haven't really talked about the protests. And that's because I think they're horrible. I'm, jo- I'm joking. Good God. If you hit pause right after I said that, then I gotta, then you're going to nail me on Twitter. But I don't care about Twitter. And I'm not on Twitter. Mm. I don't even know. I turn off the comments on my YouTube. Okay. You don't even, you can't even comment on me. I did the, like the rope video and I thought, what if somebody wants to like ask me, then email me, go to my website, sidgarzelm.com and do the thing in the thing. And I'll, I'll email you back. It's that simple. Can we just have direct communication? Do I have to go through YouTube to talk to you? I don't want to, I don't want to go. I don't want to do that. I'm going to act like a 10 year old when it comes to social media. No, you can't make me go to Facebook messenger. Not doing it. Okay. Anyway, so I'm going to weigh in on the protests and I, and, 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 and so I'm just, a, f- a few things and here's here's if you're not familiar with my small steps approach one of the cornerstones of my approach is something called i call the first task and i always make fun of myself because i named it the first task and it's the first task so um and it is this thing where you you pretend that you have no idea what you're doing in the world uh how what where your health is what your job is what your family like nothing and somebody says hey you're living your ideal life what are you doing every day and you write that down and you go oh i'm doing this and this and this in the present tense as if you some of you believe somebody you're like oh i must be living this thing so here's the things i'm doing and it's a way to establish the baseline of your ideals and and i'm always clear with members who go through my program that you may never get to these goals it's not like oh well then i have the pressure of becoming prince of denmark uh Yes, Shakespeare. Yeah, whatever. I'm I'm erudite. I can't I can't help it. I can't help it. Splash to Shakespeare in 15 minutes. Um, but it's a course on so you know your direction. It's a it's so you know. Guess what? And this it, it relates to the stress of stagnancy. So you have something to work toward because the deal is is the goal is never the happiness. The goal is never the happiness. The goal is like I made it. I finished my race, and then and that's amazing. It's great, and you feel good for five minutes because the next day you're like okay shit now oh oop up now what do i do it's the work it's earning the goal it's the earning that gives you that happiness if you don't know your direction then you have no you're just kind of flailing around that is the stress of stagnancy if you don't have anything sort of a direction to to you know you've got to ask yourself where am i going what what is my what are my ideals that's just my approach you can agree with it or disagree with it but it's highly effective when you do it i'm just saying that 
How this relates to the protests is I think this country, the United States anyway, and if you're reading this, uh, listening to this elsewhere, you, I'm sure you've read the news because there's protests all over the world, which I think is super freaking cool. Um, I think the United States needs a first task. I think the f- United States needs to do a first task. I think the United States need to, for a moment, forget about what we're doing and just take a pause and say, I, if somebody said, this is the ideal country, what would this be? Because I think that in the time that we're talking now about removing monuments and changing uh, names of bases, which I think is actually a phenomenal idea, by the way, because people go, but it's our history. So what? And and this is the thing. That's why I have a beef about it's a tradition. It's a tradition that I do. Well, okay. But maybe that tradition is in conflict with your values, but you may not know your values. And so it always comes down to me is like define who you are. Know who you are in spite of how you potentially have been living. If you're a healthy person, but you haven't been living as a healthy person, then now you know that you want to go to get back to who you are. And so you've got work to do. Good. Great. You have work to do. Cry about it. No. Get off your ass and start working. Do it in a way that doesn't overwhelm you uh, or underwhelm you. And then you'll keep doing it and you'll become more you day to day. Done. Simple in its conception. Difficult in its execution. Neither here nor there. But I think the United States needs to to ask itself and by it, all of us, okay, what kind of country, like, what is our ideal country? Is like, what are our ideals? Because I think if we asked that question and we we were able to ask that question, I think it would be a very interesting thing. And then we could say, okay, and it it was, it's interesting to go back in history and look at the founding fathers who really did work on ideals. I mean, really did work off ideals flawed like nobody i mean it was so weird to look back and say here's the ideals they wanted independence from um uh, they didn't want a monarch they wanted checks and boundaries like so much brilliance and at the same time african-americans whatever the whatever the fraction three-fifths of a human being except for the woman that thomas jefferson uh you know had an affair with she got a pass it's like it's so like you know the flawed human like this the lack of strength and 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 character in that is like stunning but at the same time they were doing other things that set the stage for this country and in a, in a very new and uncharted territory way totally interesting and now here we are in this moment for whatever reason and i actually think it's related to the coronavirus i think that we it was like a you know powder cake it was like we're home we've, we're thinking about things then now it's like we're seeing the the injustice and now it's like you know what fuck it <laughs> you know and it's like and it's coming out like on that level and i think it's it's pretty profound actually but i was thinking about it in terms of my own approaches we need to define it and i you know unfortunately some people probably would define this country as well i would define it as white people only now did i cop that uh, accent unfairly a little bit mm. When it comes to the monuments, by the way, um, Ricky Gervais, I got to quote him. I won't quote, I'll paraphrase him. He had the best take on the monuments. He goes, I think we should leave them up, but we should just change the sign under the monument, under the statue of Robert E. Lee that just says, great general, bit of a racist. I thought that was fantastic. Um, for my take, I just, we take them down because it's not who we are. And, and, and literally, it come, to me, it simplifies it in that way. We change the name of a base because it's not who we are. 
It's 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 not who we are. And whoever named it was acting in conflict with the values and standards of this country. And whoever erected those statues long after the Civil War, this was not this was this was on purpose and not part of any sort of this is part of our values. This was a very concerted. If you look at the history of why the, many of these statues and monuments were put up, it had nothing to do with anything other than assholeness. Okay, and was that a professional opinion? Yes. Um, but we take these down. We take them down because it's not who we are. That's why we do it. We can argue about it and debate about it, and it's our history. We are in charge of that. We are in charge of that. It is not, we are not locked into this. It's not that the history goes away. It is what, and I was reading something recently, and I apologize for who said it, but it's what we elevate. I think it was John Dickerson on um, Colbert. He said, it's not that history is going to go away. It's the question of what do we elevate in history? What do we pay attention to in history? I thought that was incredibly just so intelligent a way to look at it. It's like, what are we picking out of history? What are we show? What are we highlighting? And simply as I look at it, like I said, it is just, it's anti-American. It's just, these are not our values. Did they happen? Sure they did. So did Japanese internment camps, but we're not freaking opening those things up and going, look at how great these are. These are, it's, it's an embarrassment and we should consider it as such and take care to fix things like slavery, to, to fix the mistakes, to not say America's great. It's not great. It tries to be great. And I think there's there's amazingness in trying to be great. It's like I said, you may not hit the goals, but if you know where they are and you're constantly working toward them, that is the best we can do. So we don't go, America's awesome. We go, it's trying to be awesome. And maybe it's better than some countries and maybe not as much. It doesn't matter. But what are our values and what are we working toward day to day? And are we doing it in a concerted effort? And are we led into that direction effectively? That's the question. What you'll hear in over 300 episodes that I've done when you combine the 98 of this What Sid Thinks plus a 222 of my other one is a th- constant theme of personal strength and character um, of developing those in ourselves so we are able to grow beyond and out of fear and insecurity. We both as an individuals, uh, both of as individuals and as a country getting getting a uh, uh, strength uh, true strength, what 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 I believe true strength is, which is not anger and yelling and vitriol and and insult, but but a calm power, a calm, defined, well thought out. I this is who I am, and confidence and self esteem in that uh, presence, so that at the end of the day, our higher selves rule the day. We are going to feel the fear, and we're going to feel the insecurity, and we might even feel tendencies of racism and sexism, who knows what rules the day, what takes action, what makes action, the higher self can when it's developed in that. But here, on the other hand, is a recipe for disaster. Take an insecure, afraid, diffident little man with an inferiority complex and hand that guy a gun and a badge, or for that matter, a presidency. When you found your way to me, your hair shone like silver. When you hovered around me, 
Your eyes bright like silver And silver's more pretty than gold And silver's more pretty than gold Day when I wake to you, I'm softened to the gray. And when you shut everything out, all that sharp is dull to gray. Clouds are much sweeter than blue sky And clouds are much sweeter than blue sky I'm trying to force things down Just cannot be Trying to plan things out That I cannot see Struck by the quiet of knowing When I fear things falling from me I'm shown by you the truth And truth is much stronger than life Truth is much stronger than lies Silver's more pretty than gold Clouds are much sweeter than blue 